All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Beer Fish Fanatics. This is Granny with Ma Pop Fishing. We have Kit with the Fishing Kit YouTube channel. Awesome. And then uh, today we actually have two special guests. This is the first time I think we had two guests on um, at once. So this is uh, pretty exciting because this gentleman has been hyped up. Um, both of them actually been hyped up a little bit by Mr. Jeff Kapeska. Uh, uh, that we had on from the D- Iowa DNR recently. So uh, today, welcome everybody to Andy and Hank Kohler. How are you guys doing today? We're doing great. All right, Vinigo. I'm doing fabulous. Thanks for having us on, guys. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. thanks Thanks for coming on. Yeah, and, and they're with uh, uh, Learn to Fish. So we'll, we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit because I have a lot of questions. Um, it might bore you, but I have I have a lot daughters. I have four daughters that uh, I definitely want to. I've got two. There you go. You, you definitely know what it's like to, to try and see, get them into fishing. So that's why I want to pick your guys' brains. I'm pretty sure you guys know a lot about that. But so today I actually got, uh, just so everybody knows, we, you know, it's beer fish fanatics. We got to drink beer. So today I got back pocket. I'm doing something new today. It's called a uh, wake up Iowa coffee stout. So um, if my wife is watching, she's a huge stout fan, you know, sucks to be you. I'm drinking your beer, honey. <laughs> what do you got, Kit? <laughs> All right, I'm I'm kind of venturing uh, away from Iowa. I usually do an Iowa beer on here, but I got this one out of Bend, Oregon. The shoots, I think oh, yep. I think that's how you say it. Yeah, yeah, the, hazy the IPA. IPA. You know, I always I always I always like my IPAs. I'm doing a little dark because it's you know it's almost it's winter time about. So what do you guys got over there, gentlemen? I like Kit. I'm an IPA guy, and um, I've got a confluence of Des Moines IPA. And oh. honestly, in my you know travels and uh, beers that I've had, I, I literally think that the Des Moines IPA from Confluence is my favorite IPA. Yeah. Um, so I do have one of those, but I do have to give a shout out to Keg Creek. I know um Kapaska mentioned them last time but um a couple of my buddies uh the Ducey brothers Jeff and uh, Mike Ducey work for Keg Creek and actually I've uh, gotten to do some fishing with them we've uh tangled into some catfish and had a few beers and had a great time with those guys so shout out to Keg Creek nice well nice. I've, got, I've got to drive back to Aintip tonight so I wasn't gonna have more than maybe one or so but I thought I, I noticed down in Andy's cooler here he's got this unique little flavor from a small microbrewery that uh, is just starting to get popular in the area. So I thought I'd probably get rid of one of those so they could stock the shelves again. <laughs> so, so, so anybody who's just listening to the podcast or aren't uh, watching this on YouTube, uh, here's a nice, nice little um, bush latte there. You know, it's a, it's bush latte. Bush latte. Bush. Is one. Uh, I was, I was favorite trick or treat candy. I think, have you guys seen that, uh, seen that little yeah. picture? Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Cheers, gentlemen. Thank you for joining Cheers. us. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Oh, oh yeah, that's good. I love uh I love me a good stat when you know when it's getting cold and everything. So uh yeah, definitely. I think the cake Keg Creek's got some great beer. Uh, I had, I think I had that a couple weeks ago. So yeah, definitely give those guys a shout out. Hey, have them give us a call one day. We'd love to talk some beer with them. You know, uh, definitely. Yeah, sure. No, I'll, I'll I'll pass pass that along. Absolutely. Definitely. So um, other than that, like I said, we wanted to get you guys on because we want to hear about the the fishing stories and we want to learn a little bit. We want to get more knowledgeable in regards to fishing, especially um, around your guys' area. I don't get up there to fish too often. 
Um, mm-hmm. But definitely, I think I'm going to go up there a lot more this year in your guys' area, up in the Ames area, at least in Boone area and everything. So um, mm-hmm. I, if you don't mind, I mean, Hank, can you can you describe a little bit about, about okay, so everybody's got to go to, to to Facebook, check out uh, Hank Kohler's Learn to Fish. Is it like a guide service? Do you take people out to go fishing? Can you explain a little bit more? Because I see all the pictures that you post and everything. I was like, that is so cool. But then I see... I'm not sure. So what 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 do you exactly do? You do? I, I sure appreciate that. Yeah, I can give you the whole lowdown. Low down. But first of all, I'd like to mention watching some of Kit's videos and pictures and that. Oh. I may get to fish as much as Kit, but I don't think I get to fish better. So mm. I'm going to have to keep learning from him if we ever bump into each other again. I think I've seen you along the river a couple of times, but we never chatted. So we'll figure that out again. Well, Hank, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to pop his head now because it's, it's like it's like it just got <laughs> so big on the screen now. <laughs> hey, we're we're sitting in the presence. We're sitting. We're sitting in the presence of the legend of the North here. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, you know, at the same time, though, I, I appreciate some of the times that I'm watching what Kit does, and he's being very honest. He's got a good setup. You know, he's doing something that he expects success, but it hasn't happened yet because that happens with all of us all the time with fishing. That's one of the negative things that I think comes out of people that don't fish, that watch the fishing shows, because on the fishing shows, they don't show the minutes or the the hours or the 20 minutes or half hour of nothing happening. They simply show the hook set and the fish, the hook set and the fish. So we're getting back to learn to fish, if I can keep rambling here. I ran into a situation years ago where I decided to take what I love to do, which is a passion of fishing and, and, and talking to kids and stuff and kind of put it into a little LLC called Learn to Fish. And the bottom line is a lot of times, let's say a child gets to like nine or 10 years old, like your daughters will be. I think some of them may be that age yet or- uh, Seven is the oldest right now. She's getting there. Let's say they, they grow up in a family and maybe a, a single mom or dad and the kid all of a sudden comes home from school and says, hey, I'd like to go fishing. Can you take me fishing? Well, the parent may not know where to go, know what to do, or have any of the equipment to do it with. And so I like to cover all those bases and at a a price that families can afford to have a kid or two go along. Or maybe sometimes like I get people that go to our place up in Minnesota, they can afford to be there for a couple, three days instead of just an hour or an hour and a half. And what I tell people with that is that you're going to learn to fish. So it's more of an educational thing, not just fishing, but also like the waterfowl, the other wildlife we see. I put together a coloring book that on one page, it'll say that it'll have the fish. You have to try to identify. Next page, will have the waterfowl. And then you turn it over and you've got other birds or you've got amphibians, reptiles, and they have to pick up trash. There's a page on there for that. So it's kind of a whole eco-adventure. A lot of times around here, what we like to do is float either the Boone or the Des Moines River, depending on water levels. And if we go up to Minnesota, of course, we got a various uh, a number of lakes up there. But it's it's to get the kids excited, get them outside, get them unplugged for a day. They're not watching the screen. I had a guy much smarter than me years ago that said, Hank, if we don't get the children, the youth of today, excited about the places we like to go to and the things we like to do when we get there, why would they want to protect them when they become our decision makers in the future? You know, if they're making the laws 20 years from now, but they've never even been in a place or camped in a tent or floated in a kayak, why would they want to to help those areas? So it's real important, I think, to get the kids involved. That's inspiring, man. I'm not going to lie. Holy, <laughs> man, yeah. that is badass. I love that. No, yeah. I, I, I you know, you're could, thinking way into the future. Yeah. As <laughs> you can make me guess, my childhood was uh, pretty awesome. Yeah. 
I'm yeah. not gonna lie. That that was pretty. Uh, wow, man, that that that's mind blowing. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not I'm not faking it at all. That was truly mind blowing. Just your vision of what you're wanting to do, because normal uh, fishermen don't even come close to comprehending what you're, you're you're doing. So that's pretty cool, man. One of the cool things about the the whole, let's say, an afternoon or day's adventure with the kids, if they're young enough to get a kick on the coloring book, obviously you get to 12, 13 or something. That's no big deal anymore. But the younger ones, if they get a kick out of it, they there's a point system. You get so many points for each fish, so many points for each bird, mammal, reptile, if you see a deer, all of that. And then for picking up the traps. So let's say I've got three young boys or girls along the shore of Big Creek. You know, we've been bobber fishing. We caught maybe three different species, picked up some trash, saw some ducks, geese, and a cardinal or a chickadee or something. So I'll have them go page by page and ask them, add up your score. See what your score is. Because now you can see the wheels turning. They're doing the ciphering, you know. They're coming up with, what well, we got 15 on this page, 17 on this. Pretty soon one of them, the spokesperson, you know, will go, Hank, we got 63. New record. As soon as they say the number, no matter what it is, it's always a new record. They just want <laughs> <love it. laughs> awesome that's pretty awesome so so this service um because uh when i first kind of heard about what you're doing i I was actually asking jeff about it i was like so is this like a paid guide service like i know it's not your typical like kevin paul you're like hey kevin take me out for four hours here's four hundred dollars put me on some fish so can you explain about it a little bit more yeah um part of the reason um it's more uh economical let's use that word for people isn't just because I'm trying to keep the cost low enough so that two or three kids can go because I'll charge them $200 for the day, not per person. That's just for my services and my equipment for the day. Um, but then like, for instance, if you guys get up to fish with me in Minnesota sometime, and I sure hope you do, you will realize the importance is not the boat you're in, but the water the boat's floating on because it's going to be just an old, 14 foot lund, you know, it's nothing special, nothing fancy. That's why I don't, I don't feel I can charge much for, for, you know, the, the, not the equipment, but the boat that they're in. But I fished that area for so many years, I can put that boat in waters that a lot of people don't know about. And then the experience, of course, gets really special. I always tell people, hire, hire Kevin Paul, go up to Clear Lake, catch a bunch of fish and, uh, you know, experience, uh, uh, great setup equipment wise and that but you can hit up the old man if you want to hear a lot of amazing stories and uh you know do some cool stuff yeah it's not a guide service really for people that already have good equipment and really know how to fish you know they're they're gonna sit here and go wait a minute i should have brought my own boat you know (laughs) but for instance like up minnesota i can put that boat in some lake they can't put those other boats in you know it's some carrying lakes and some places way back in the in the woods that uh, I've known about for you know most of my life. Where do you where do you normally take people? Like, and what species do you normally target, um, Hank? I mean, I know you're you were talking about Minnesota. So is it just primarily in the Minnesota area or Ames area or Big Creek area? Where where do you normally, or is it just depends on where the, where the the clients are? Very good question. It depends a lot on the time that they have that they can put into this little adventure. Because if it's just like a day or an afternoon and they're around Iowa, then we're going to do something in Iowa. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing to do is because I have the canoes and the kayak or in the little boat, et cetera, is float one of the rivers. Obviously we have to have the water level correct, you know, to do it safely. And then hopefully if the water level is correct, we can harvest some fish or let fish go, whatever. But 
Uh, I've got a stretch of the Boone that's my absolute favorite. I've got a stretch of the Des Moines River where we go just from Frazier down to Waterworks. So we stay up above all the people that are going with, you know, with the, the is it what, Seven Oaks or whoever. Yeah, the what, tubing. The tubing groups. Yeah, so we try to stay away from crowds, especially if it's a weekend. So in, in Iowa, if, if somebody calls and says, hey, we've got two kids, can we do this? Hopefully it's a day that we can do a float on the river. If not, we'll do just some shore fishing out of my small boat like at Big Creek or someplace or Dakin's, you know, someplace that they can catch fish. In Minnesota, now from Ames, that's about almost a six-hour drive there. You know, there's a, a couple of the places around there, the resorts uh, have some cabins or there's a couple of hotels people can check into. If we didn't have the COVID, you know, in the past I've had people, let's say it's just a, a, a dad and his son, well, they'll stay right at my cabin with me, you know, and they've got me for the whole day. We go out fishing, you know, before sunrise, fish about three or four hours. We come back, I cook them up breakfast. We take a little nap and then we hit it all the way until dark again. And we'll fish three different lakes in one day and the next day, three different lakes. So if you're up there for three days, I'll take you to nine different lakes and we will target largemouth bass and northerns mostly, crappies and bluegills. So we have a big fish fry. And at times we'll catch walleyes, although I'm much better trying to catch walleyes in the winter than I am in the summer. I just much rather fish for the bass and northerns just for the fun of it, throwing topwaters for the most part. The bass fishing up there in that area of Minnesota, um, you know, you're not going to get your seven pound plus largemouth, but you will catch more three to four and a half, five pounders than hardly anywhere in the country. It's it's kind of a an unknown resource, um, um, but yeah, that that west central Minnesota area is just yeah. fabulous for for bass fishing and, and northerns, but. Um, yeah, really we, good bass yeah, we catch the northerns while we're fishing for the bass. I, I just love targeting, the, like I said, the largemouth for the fun of it. And Andy might have been a little high on the, the top size. We don't catch a lot of fives up there, but you catch numbers. And, and, and a lot of them are, are fun, two and a half, three, three and a quarters. And, and if you take three boys out or two boys out for a three-hour session and we release like 55 of them, you know, with five or six northerns in between, you know, that's fun because it doesn't take too many minutes and somebody of the three of them casting around will have a fish on, you know, so you have some activity. You know, very seldom you have long downtimes. That's what's fun. Gotcha. Is there a specific age, like minimum, you, you would recommend to go? I guess recommend, I'd have to say, it'd be nice if they're like 9 to 10 or above. Okay. Although, Makes sense. If, let's say a parent and says, and they're going to take just one child, and they'll go well, you know. Mm -hmm. So now I don't have to worry about the, the concern of, um, you know, how they're acting. Parenting. Yeah, parenting. I can just talk about fishing, hopefully show them how to catch fish, and I take the fish off and do all that for them so nobody gets boogered up and stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, if a parent comes along, then they certainly can be younger. I always tell the clients when I talk to them, I said, the very first thing we're going to do is be safe. The next thing we're going to do is be comfortable. And then the last thing, hopefully, if the fish help out, we're going to be successful. But if you hire me to just take a, like, two guys out for an entire day for 200 bucks up there in Minnesota, we are going to be successful. <laughs> We're going to get it. <laughs> <And it's>, it. <laughs> like I said, it certainly isn't the boat. The equipment's the same as other people. It's the water that we go to that, that helps. Definitely going to uh, have to get the kids uh, once they get a little bit older, because right now they're seven, five, three and what nine months so i'm a little little you got a whole basketball team don't you <laughs> almost <laughs> that's what everybody keeps saying all my buddies like dude come on one more man you can do it i'm like 
I, I think I'm good, guys. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> you got great years coming up. Great years coming up. Kit, what do you have for kids? Uh, zero and zero. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm still... Yeah. You got some great years coming up. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I got one kid right here. <laughs> yeah, uh, Hank, I've always heard you're a great storyteller, but <laughs> there's there's um there's one story that I want to know about you. Uh, here, here Did the past to tell you? A little bit. He he kind of <laughs> I think he called you Legend of the North, and he told me about this little book called The Water The Water Goes North by Dennis oh. Weidman. Is, yeah. is that is that correct? So, uh, yeah, in this book, so there's a couple brothers. I think a couple of their friends they canoe from Minnesota to the Hudson Bay, looking at polar bears and seeing all this sorts of uh, wildlife. And then when I found out it was you, I was like, "Whoa!" I was like, "What? That's crazy!" <laughs> yeah, can can you talk about that uh, a little bit more? Like, because uh, I think you were working at uh, you're managing a ha Happy Joe's, if I'm correct. If I'm not correct. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, then, yeah, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just let you take it from here. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. In fact, Andy told me to bring this along as a prop. If you can see that, <laughs> that's the book that Denny wrote. Nice. Uh, this water it. goes north. So, so everybody who's listening to this, uh, Hank just put up a book. It's called uh, "This Water Goes North." Check it out, guys. Yeah, cool little story about that book. One time, I was at a going up to a wedding in Northwest Iowa, and I checked into a hotel, and that book was laying on the coffee table there of the hotel. And I said, "Gee, that's a really cool book." And the lady at the desk she goes, "I suppose you know something about that. Like, are you in that canoe?" And I said, "No, I took the picture. I was in the other canoe." <laughs> <laughs> uh, the history goes like this. So I'm growing up on a farm in Northwest Iowa when I was a kid. We had one week's vacation. Dad would take us up to Ottertail County, Minnesota, the week just before school started. And so I'm up there probably about 13 years old or something one time, and it's just pouring on us. But of course, we're still out fishing because that's the only week we have to fish. And he was going to check and see how smart your little kid was. Which, uh, you know, He goes, Henry, do you know where this water is falling on us will finally end up? Well, I think I was in fifth grade. And if you guys can remember, you're young enough. And when you're in fifth grade, you pretty much know it all. I mean, I was sure I knew almost everything. So proudly, I said, hey, this is going to get into the Mississippi River and go all the way to the Gulf of Mexico. And he just sat there and said, no, it doesn't. He said, this water goes north. And it does. It flows into the Ottertail River system which then becomes the Red River of the North, which is the border between Minnesota and North Dakota. It flows all the way north then into Manitoba, flows through the city of Winnipeg, dumps into Lake Winnipeg, 350 miles north of that, then it comes out of Lake Winnipeg in either the Nelson, well, right then it is the Nelson River, and rushes up to the bay 400 miles from there. Well, we took and did that route, the old fur trading route. We started in the Mississippi watershed, got into the Otter Tail River, got into the Red River of the North, went up through Canada, up into uh, Lake Winnipeg, 17-foot canoes, four farm boys from Iowa, and we're going across the lake that's 300 and some miles long and at times 80 miles wide. Now, that kind of gets your hair up a little. It's, well, <laughs> I had hair back then, but this kind of goofy. And then at the end, you know, like I said, the Nelson River flows out, goes past, past a place called Norway House, and then we got off of the Nelson River right away and, and went actually upstream through some marshland for a while to get on a river called the Ishamamish, which then goes over a, a kind of a historical spot for the First Nation people up there called the Painted Stone. And on the other side, the Hayes River starts and it flows all the way up to the bay. So that's the route we took. The Nelson River gets too big and powerful and they have some hydro dams on it. So we got in a little bit smaller water. 
And, and at the very end, you have a place called York Factory, which is along Hudson Bay in, in Manitoba, northern Manitoba. And it was the very first outpost that the Hudson Bay Company over in Great Britain or England at the time built in North America. So that was when the fur trades really were rock and rolling, where all the beaver pelts were trying to come out of, you know, uh, northern Minnesota or Wisconsin, wherever, Manitoba, Ontario. They all ended up at York Factory to get shipped over to Europe. How long was this trip? It took us 70 days. Um, but we didn't know how long it would be. I mean, you know, we, we didn't know. In fact, uh, we decided to leave. We left on the May on May 8th, which was really cold yet for that place in Minnesota. But we had no idea for sure how long it would take. And we thought, you know, it would be a lot better to be cold at the beginning of the trip. We're in civilization. I mean, we could stop someplace, go get a pizza and a beer, you know, or... <laughs> We didn't want to be have it take so long. We get up there at the end, and it gets cold at the end because that that wouldn't have been good. So that's what we did. How many hours a day were you? I mean, how, on average, were you paddling? I mean, because dude, seventy <laughs> days is a long, long time. That's, that's a great, great question. But first of all, let me say we kind of broke it down. The trip can be broken down into three separate areas. The first part is the Ottertail River and the Red River. Now we're going down a river very similar tip to like the Des Moines River or something. Uh, although it's kind of flood stage in 79. So we're going through agricultural land. You know, we could look, all we had was a, because there's no computers or GPS or anything. So even <laughs> up north, you know, we just had some maps I found over at Parks Library at Iowa State. But we would look like a, at a, a state, you know, traffic map, you know, a, a, just a regular road map and say, hey, look, there's a bridge up there. And only two miles down the road is the town of Nielsville. Let's stop there and camp and walk into town and see if there's a bar or something. So, those days we would paddle from like nine in the morning until you know seven at night. You ask a farmer to put up a tent or just set up a tent. Then we'd go find some place. So we'd cook hot dogs or macaroni and cheese or whatever. I mean, we're still in civilization, so we could go to a bar if there was one around, or we'd just go get some milk and you know, you know, bacon and eggs because we had a cooler in there. We could still keep things refrigerated. So that's the first third of the trip that gets you into Lake Winnipeg. Now, Lake Winnipeg, you got all of that distance with nothing except maybe, well, at Barron's River and Princess Harbor, we could get some supplies if we needed to, but basically there's nothing around there. And and it's so scary to be on such big water um, that we told ourselves that we are going to paddle anytime we can, because that's the one part of the trip that could have stopped the trip. You know, if, if the weather really got to us, you know, we couldn't have kept going in those small vessels on such big water. And I'd actually taught myself how to use a compass to not just say, hey, there's north or south, but to look at a map and set a bearing going on, you know, exactly the reading we need to follow so that there are times instead of following real close to the shore, we'd look at a bay and I had had on the map that if we go at this compass bearing, we'll get to the other side after like six miles and it's two miles inland. So we would make uh, kind of educated guesses on the safety of whether we should try to cut that bay or follow the shoreline because we follow the shorelines all the time and it takes almost forever. So on those days, and we had a bet that we, I said, I thought we could canoe that in 10 days. And as far as we know, nobody's ever done that in that period of time. But we were pretty, let's say, uh, motivated, so to speak, to try to get off that lake. And Danny, the guy that wrote the book, he said, no, there's no way we can do that. Well, we were completely weathered in one and a half days, but we left from that very 
start the Delta of the Red River to the Nelson River, and we got there in exactly 10 days. So we actually canoed it in just eight and a half days. Wow. And on those days, though, when it was calm, as soon as the first person woke up, and you realize, okay, it's light enough to go, which then, of course, is like 4.30 in the morning that far north. You know, we'd eat a little oatmeal or maybe some pancakes quick, and we jump in those canoes, and we would go 14, 15 hours. Jeez. I mean, you're looking at beautiful scenery. You've got friends with you, but after a while, I mean, you're just beat and you're hungry because, you know, we didn't have back then, we didn't have the kind of stuff where you just stop, okay, quick, we eat something. We would have had to cook a fire or get a fire going and cook something like that. So we waited until that night and we filled this great big kettle uh, full of rice and macaroni and cheese and whatever, just fill it full of stuff and then eat all that and fall asleep for about six hours and do it again. So I've told people, you know, every once in a while you run into somebody go, oh, geez, I've tried to diet. I've tried to diet a lot. I, I exercise, I, I eat, right? I don't lose any weight. You know, while they exercise, they exercise for 25 minutes every third day or something, you know? I tell them, if you want to lose weight, try a moderate, repetitive exercise for 14 hours a day for 10 days. You'll lose all the weight you want. And then from there on, getting back to how, how the rest of it was, now we got this 400 miles of pristine Manitoba wilderness with fabulous fishing for walleyes and northern pike. So we went slower to enjoy it. In fact, a couple of places we stopped for three days in a row just because it was why leave? It was beautiful. One of the things that I always think is fascinating about that trip is, is the equipment they had and just how heavy and, and you know, it wasn't anything like what we would utilize today or even you know to go down the Des Moines River for a weekend um, all the way from your canoe to your paddle to your tent to your cooler everything they used um, you know growing up you know I, I canoed around the Boone River and the Des Moines River as a kid with that same canoe that they took all the way to Hudson Bay I mean, that's going out of the same place in the kettle. Yeah, we, yeah, we use the same the same place. But that, I mean, that canoe was is so heavy, and the equipment that they brought along was so heavy. And yeah, we didn't have to portage too much, though. The biggest portage was the very first day, going from the Mississippi watershed over to the Ottertail watershed by Portage Lake. That's about a mile and a half. Then we had another one that long up about Robinson Lake. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like it. Um, we 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 whine and complain when we go for like three hours on a pond or on a lake and we're kayaking. We're like, man, we're going against the wind. It sucks. You just totally put us in our spots right now. <laughs> we're spoiled. We're spoiled. That's why. Yeah. You know, another cool thing that we that we had on the trip, besides the adventure and the scenery and the wildlife and of course the fishing, the fishing was fabulous because those last 400 miles, we ate fish usually twice a day because, you know, once we got on Lake Winnipeg, we didn't have a cooler anymore and they didn't have the really neat freeze-dried foods and stuff that we have. So it was mostly noodle dishes and rice dishes and pancakes and popcorn and then fish. So a special meal would be when we'd specify, well, this is just going to be walleyes, you know, <laughs> that's a bigger meal than just, okay, whatever we catch, we're eating right away. Um, but we met some fabulous people. We met some people along the way that, you know, along the places that we camp, that, you know, we remember somewhat. But there's a group of people in Southern Manitoba that when we stayed there, we had so much fun, we stayed there for another two days. And they are our friends today, you know, I could, I, they're in my phone. You know, we met them 41 years ago, you know, wow. so it's cool to meet such great people along the way. That literally was a year before I was born. So just, cause you did this in 79, right? Is that right, Hank? You did it in 79, yeah. 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 That's what I think is so fascinating for me as 
his son is it was two years before I was born. But, you know, the bedtime stories as a kid, you know, were, were like knife know, rapids. Yeah, day, yeah. day 50 on this trip. But I also find it so cool that, you know, say I'm five years old, you know, have memory, know what's going on. And that, that trip was still so fresh to my dad. You know, that would have been only seven years prior. I mean, we think of and remember fishing trips that we did six, seven years ago. So I can't, I, I've never done anything like he did, yeah. but I just think it's really cool to, to remember being a kid and having him tell me those stories and realizing that it happened just a few years previous yeah. that he was doing that. And um, so, yeah, it was really cool and, and um, loved growing up hearing those stories. And, and to this day, you know, I mean, still share a, a new memory or something that, that came up from that trip it was pretty cool. Well, a real special thing we did, I'm guessing 15 years ago, 20 years ago, sometime in that time frame, there were some areas of that trip um, in the boreal forest up there that was so special to me yeah. that we drove, we could drive now on the west side of Lake Winnipeg and go all the way up or down, take a ferry across the Nelson River and you come back to Norway house at settlement there. And we hired a float plane pilot and he dropped us into the lake called Logan Lake, which was part of our canoe trip. And for about seven days, we went from Logan Lake to Windy Lake. We went to a place called Wapanapanis Falls. We were at what we had named Dragonfly Rock and got to Oxford Lake. And then the plane picked us up. Some of the my most favorite places that we camped and fished and got to visit on that trip, I got to share with my son again years later. Went in the, the same place. It was so cool. We, we, we were in an area, you know, and this is, this is 20 years after the trip. No, later than 25 years after the trip, but we're in an area that we might not be within 20 miles of anyone. Well, further than that, probably. More yeah. than that. And the fishing was incredible, you know, to me. I, you know, I mean, I remember the one day we caught, you know, 40 inch, 40 inch northerns and 27 inch walleyes, basically back to back casts. And, you know, it was, it was incredible. I got to share one quick story. We're on this really special lake up there called Windy Lake. It's in the evening and we're sitting on this rock. These waves are coming in. And of course, we had each taken a bottle of something because we just drink the lake water, treat it with the iodine tablets and put some crystal light in it. You know, we're not taking up soda pop or beer or anything like that. But I had a bottle of rum I could mix with that. And he had a bottle of something brown some sort of bourbon or whiskey or whatever and i look over he's sitting on this rock and he's got this little cup and he's just dipping into the lake as the waves splash in i go andy what are you drinking he goes windy and whiskey dad windy and whiskey. awesome man. Yeah, great memories um i would like to i don't know how long this thing goes but there's something real important i got to tell you guys that i want to share um go ahead this is extremely exciting so so in 1979 uh, as we've talked about, we canoed from East Leaf Lake, Minnesota, all the way to where the water goes north, as far as water goes north. Well, this winter, I was crossing that stream, that Leaf River that comes out of there, because actually there's where we had to portage to get into the water that does go north. But if you just start there, the water goes south. And I was crossing that stream this winter, and I thought, why don't I go the other way? It'll almost be easier. It might be longer. <laughs> so it's going to happen. We are, we're putting together, I've partnered with some fantastic people at a place called the Iowa Water Center, which is a spinoff of, of Iowa State University. And then they have gotten a hold with some more brilliant people from uh, the Iowa Natural Heritage Foundation. 
And we're going to partner with the National Mississippi River uh, Museum and Aquarium up in Dubuque and, and do this as a fundraiser to try to help fund their projects um, for uh, mostly for the youth, um, uh, what do they call it? Something Education about Yeah, something? yeah it's, it, it's an acronym for care, conservation, and something. But, but we are going to try to, I am going to try to do this as a fundraiser to help not only that museum and the aquarium, but to, in the long term, fund their youth education program. So he's going to canoe the Mississippi River to the Gulf of Mexico now. Wow. That is insane. How long? No, what are we doing next summer? I, I, I mean, I not that. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that is so. You so where you get, where will you start and where would you end again? So you okay. would when when we went north, we started at East Leaf Lake okay. in Oxdale County, Minnesota. When we go south, when I go south, I'm going to start the very same spot, the very same access, and and I'm going to go on the Leaf River for about three days. It's very small. It's only about 10, 15 feet wide. I actually floated it with my kayak most of it this summer because I've never been on it before and it's so small I didn't know what kind of obstacles I'd have beaver dams or fences or something like that but it's doable there's an area that I call the fire swamp that there's so many trees down you have some problems with that but it's doable the leaf river then flows into the crow wing river and then only about 50 to 70 miles later you dump into the Mississippi right by Camp Ripley up there the the I want to say the National Guard area at a place called Crow Wing State Park and from that point on then you know take it down to the Gulf. So I'll have about 100 miles of the Leaf and the Crow Wing River, and then not all of the Mississippi then, because when I join it, I will have cut off about 150 to 200 miles of that. So my total trip will only be about 2,150 miles. Oh, only. 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 Oh my goodness. <laughs> what am I doing? And the current's just going to keep going. Uh-huh. I'm gonna lose my fishing buddy for the I don't know, four or five months that it's going to take. But when are, you, when, when are you starting? Uh, when, are you, uh, when does that um, begin? My target date is to start June 13th. Um, initially, you'd think, well, why not start May 8th? You said you did that back in the day. Why not start at the same time? But then I got thinking, I really need to camp on sandbars on the Mississippi. I need the summer to get going to the water levels you know, to go down. I mean, it still could be up if we have goofy years, but, mm-hmm. you know, historically, by the time you get in July and August, you should be able to, to find a sandbar about anywhere. But I didn't want to start too late because, as you know, the way climate's going now, I don't want to get way down south and have the hurricanes coming in. Oh, yeah. I don't want to deal with that at all. So I'm, I've picked June 13th basically as a start date, and I'm, I'm planning to do it in 80 to 85 days. So that, oh. that should be doable. That is, man, you know what? So, you, I'm inspired now that I need to lose some weight. Kicking. I'm like, how, how are you doing this, Hank? Holy cow, that's crazy. I'm going to start enlisting people because I need somebody to be in that canoe with me almost all the time for three reasons. One, it's somewhat for safety because you're better if you have somebody with you and you're doing something like that. Mm-hmm. Secondly, obviously, I'd sure like the companionship. But thirdly, I need the speed. You know, if I'm going to do it in 70 to 80 days, I can't be paddling by myself. I got mm-hmm. somebody else. You know, you know, making the thing move around. The main thing, wind it. You know, when we did that fun trip forty some years ago, we did it for the challenge, for the adventure, and for the fun. I mean, who else would, who wouldn't want to quit their job and, and float down a river all summer and see things you've never seen before? Well, I'm kind of doing this for the very same reason, but I decided to kind of put it into a fundraiser too because 
I have gone to so many neat places, but just by looking at them and enjoying them, I haven't helped them. I can't make them better. I can't make them last longer. Mm. But there are people out there that their whole life's work, their energy, their intellect is to help places like that. So what I think I'm going to try to do is do something so unique that people hopefully want to help fund the people that know how to help. In other words, I will help the ones that actually do the help, the people that have the intellect, that have the resources, that have the, the know-how to say, hey, yeah, this is what we can do. This will be better. And then to teach the kids so that in the future, that'll keep continuing. So I, it's re- I think it's going to be a really cool thing to do. And the people up at that uh, museum and the aquarium up there with their youth projects and that, they're really excited too. And it, that, that, that trip's going to go by 10 different states. And all of these states have entities that are doing that, trying to teach. Wow. Let us know, because um, what we can do, Kit, though, we can keep tabs on you weekly, because we do our podcasts weekly. Um, uh-huh. We can just kind of update everybody really quick. Where's Hank at today? You know what I'm saying? That'd be, that'd be <laughs> well, these people that, you see, I, I think I know how to float down a river and, and camp on a sandbar, okay? I, you know, I, I know I'm not an expert or hardly anything, but I know I have no expertise in fundraising and that, but but these people do. So they're going to have me with like a GoPro and a Twitter account or all kinds of things. Uh, I, don't, I mean, <laughs> look at Andy. So people listen to Andy's like, oh boy. <laughs> I have no techno- technology, but but there there's going to be an ongoing uh, uh, thing, you know, as we go along and say, this is where we're at. Like, where's Waldo? You know, where are we at and, and what are we doing? That's, That's so cool. cool. We'll, we'll keep tabs of it. What we'll, we'll do is we'll check in because, um, yeah, we'll see where you're at. That's, that's going to be so awesome to, to see you do that. That's pretty cool. Well, I appreciate that. And unless somebody comes up with a better name for it, I think we're just going to name the canoe and the whole thing one for water. Just the, the word one and then the number four water. So it's coming up next summer. Well, that's pretty sweet. I mean, that's like and you're doing it for a noble cause too, just to like wait, raise awareness and raising funds. Man, I mean, not, there's not a lot of people that can say that like oh like besides just as a hobby it's kind of like a i would say i would call like a passion project for you yeah right but kid there's a selfish part of this too is i and you'll find this out if you ever get to be lucky enough to be as old as i am i I really need another challenge i want another adventure you know i just read a book a while back uh about magic the guy's actually from iowa nate staniforth and he said that as we grow Initially, everything is is wonderful to us because it's so new. But pretty soon we get older and we make everything become ordinary. And and as we get older, then we need to get out of the ordinary and actually look for things that create the sense of wonder again. And a trip like this will be like, it will be full of wonderful moments. You know, a lot of times people will say, well, like a 70-day trip or an 80-day trip, that's too intimidating. You can't possibly do all that. Well, you don't look at it that way. Don't look at it as 70 or 80 days. You look at it as a day, followed by another day, followed by another day. And how do those days then connect? So every day you get a sunrise and you're going to get a sunset. Sandwich in between an adventure that gives you some sense of wonder and wake up and do it again the next day. And pretty soon you've gone a long way and had a ball. Man, that's like words to live by. No. Hey, Andy, <laughs> you, you you got that's a wise father you have there, brother. Uh, <laughs> you know that are just full of BS. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> hey, never know. It's all right. Well, we all. <laughs> Aren't we all? Just a little bit. Cheers, guys. That's oh, awesome. Cheers, cheers. 
you ice fish quite a bit too, yeah, up there uh, yeah. north. So what's because uh, you know ice season's upon us here, especially up there north. Is it's 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 we're almost there. So what what are you guys plan? Or what is your plans actually right now for the ice season, Hank and Andy? What are you guys What are you guys well, planning hey, to do? First of all, <clears throat> I love ice fishing, and and of all the things that I love to do, ice fishing might be one of the only ones that I can consider I'm actually okay at, like decent at. <laughs> You know, I, I love to do a lot of things, but yeah, we're pretty, pretty good at ice fishing. Um, a lot of practice, I guess. A couple of things I want to say. First of all, this guy, he will find first ice in a couple of weeks. <laughs> I'll describe it, it, it may be Manitoba, but he will be ice fishing right after Thanksgiving. And, but I can't and, get into Canada though. Oh shoot, that's true. Mm, yeah. We, yeah, yeah, we had we had Jay Siemens on um up up there from up north, and he's like, yeah, they're they're not letting anyone in Canada unless you're a uh, what is that? Like a, um, what do you call those uh, kit those first responders or whatever? Unless or yeah, first uh, responder or whatever, yeah, because they're not letting anybody in Canada right now. So an, another a, another one we've all we all fish Big Creek, you know, it's it's and and ice fish Big Creek. Growing up, my dad had a permanent shack on Big Creek you know, through the eighties and, and everything. And I tell people I learned to drive the first time I ever drove a vehicle was on a frozen lake and it was on big Creek. Oh, I mean, my sisters and I, we drove on big Creek. I figured they couldn't hit much. And, 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 <laughs> at the bottom of the lake. <laughs> yeah, but, that, but That's another thing that I think is kind of fascinating. Maybe it was just stupidity, but you know, in the eighties and nineties, I mean, we, we had winners that, we had 15 plus inches of ice on, on central Iowa lakes consistently. Yeah. It seemed like and, all the time. you know, we we're driving, you know, on those lakes, but no, back to this year. Um, I, I love to ice fish. Um, and, and I've got a Lake of the woods trip planned in early January. Um, but like you guys, I love to ice fish, Iowa. We love to ice fish, Iowa. And there's been many times that we've driven, you know, 10 hours to Northern Minnesota to, to ice fish and, and target walleyes only to come back and the next weekend go to a lake in southwest Iowa and catch, you know, 25-inch plus walleyes. That lake that kids that, always on. <laughs> that, you know, that, that are bigger than what we did, you know, 10 hours north. And, and we're very fortunate that uh, we've got fabulous um, bodies of water that when we do have cold enough weather that we can get on them. And uh, I love to ice fish Iowa, um, but also way up north in northern Minnesota. So what's your what's your target species through the ice, Andy? And Hank, too. Um, yeah, um, walleyes and then, and then panfish in general, um, bluegills and crappies. You know, I would say walleyes and crappies are kind of what I, I try to target. That's where I have a lot of success. Um, I enjoy catching other species, perch, yellow bass, the occasional catfish. And, you know, I know that's what you target kit sometimes. And, and what's really interesting is it's, it's been quite, it's been the last few years that we've really caught catfish through the ice and some big catfish mm -hmm. on lakes around, around Iowa and really enjoy it. I mean, and sometimes some bodies of water, um, ones that I know we've fished where, you're marking a, you know, you got a mark on your electronics, you know, suspended even sometimes. And, you know, you get above it with a jigging spoon, expecting it to be a, a crappie or, or possibly a, a walleye coming off the bottom and just get hit and, you know, feel that weight. And sure enough, 
five, 10 minutes later, you're looking down and you're like, oh my goodness, you've got a, you know, a huge catfish through the ice. And that's happened a few times the last few years and it's been a ton of fun. So, you know, you're never going to want to um, turn that down for sure. Yeah, actually my, uh, my first catfish through the ice last season, I was fishing in, I want to say like 25 feet of water and there's this mark, I think it was 10 feet beneath the ice. Like, all right, I'm going to reel up here. It's got to be like a bluegill or crappie or something yeah. then boom set the hook is just wait and i fought it for like 10 minutes catfish yeah. i think it was 20 20 20 plus inches like mid 20s that's, oh man that's, that's fun cool, isn't it? i was just gonna say as far as my speech to fish you know obviously i i don't fish for walleye as much in the summer because as i said before it's more fun for me to go especially have people with me to go after bass and then catch the northern while we're doing that but when we're in Minnesota, especially there's some lakes there that we target walleyes and we do pretty good. Uh, and then we have trips up to like Upper Red Lake or Lake of the Woods to target the walleyes and the sauger. But I don't know if I can do it this winter once again because of COVID, but I, I always try to get at least one lake trout trip in, you know, up at some place in Ontario usually and like get one like that. Andy cut years yeah, ago. I was going to ask you about that picture. Like, man, that's a, I wonder if he caught that fish. Yeah, I, I caught it through the ice. Through the I caught that ice fishing with that little tiny pole that's on the I don't know if you can see it. Yeah. Like, like this long. I happened to, when he first hooked it, I was cooking up breakfast. We're staying in a portable shack, but we have it rigged up. We can sleep out in, we camp out in one of the places. We're on an arm of Lake of the Woods and uh, fishing for walleyes. We, he was in 67 feet of water. He was in a salted minnow on a real small jig. And I heard in his voice, he goes, Dad, I got a bigger fish. And I'm frying up breakfast in the shack. I'm thinking, good. You know, his voice goes, Dad, I, I got a bigger fish. And so smartly, I turned the burner off and I looked at my clock and he got that 35 minutes later. Wow. And it was big enough that most of the time we let something go. But the whole deal about it with the light pick, it was eight pound test. And the way he fought it and the times we thought we maybe lost and everything, I just said, kid, we're going to put that on the wall. So, yeah, that's the only, that's the only fish that I've kept like that. You know, I, we're, we're a big proponent of, you know, CPR and, you know, release all of the big walls and everything like that. And that's actually the only, the only large fish that I've, I've kept and gotten. Out of. It was, but that was an incredible experience. And that was, that was it was laying on the ice there by where we're standing there fishing hour or so later and snowmobile come coming by and all of a sudden he stopped turned around and come back he goes holy crap he said i thought that was a seal <laughs> <laughs> yeah so for those who are listening on the podcast you got you guys gotta check us out on, on youtube the fish that's behind handy and uh our uh, hank and andy there it's it's pretty pretty enormous pretty cool yeah. yeah actually um on our way back we we didn't i didn't know where i was going to get a mountain we actually stopped in cabela's in owatonna and dropped it off and the mount um they called me called us a little bit later and they um asked if they could um put it up and display it for a few months and they did it was actually on display in uh, cabela's for a few months before i actually got to pick it up but they took a little bit off the total so it was was a win-win we gotta get we gotta get fishing kit on because um so last year fishing kits uh uh we we had a mission because he went with my me me and my family we actually drove all the way to Colorado because I have a lot of family in Colorado and and they and, you know they tell us oh Lakers are easy all right <laughs> so you know because fishing kit has, has never caught a, a lake trout through the ice and we went there and my brother in laws they took us to some <laughs> we we call it what was it the hike of death. The hike of death. Yeah. Yes. So, because you know they they don't 
they don't have no snowmobiles or anything. That would have been, trust me, that would have been so much more convenient, but they didn't have that. So we actually, it was a good, it's literally like down a mountain. So we, we would literally yeah. hike with all our gear down a mountain to go find these lake trout. And I think Kit was, um, now he struggled that day. Oh man, that, that day. So like lake trout, you know, I've always, I've always heard about them. I've watched videos like, man, this is like, is what it was one of my bucket fish lists. So okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to Denver. These guys say lake trout so easy. We're gonna go over the mountains. Gonna be beautiful. We get there. Got walk down a mountain. I think we spent we spent I think I want to say six hours out there. I caught two. Wait, no, I got skunked that you got day. Skunked the first day. <laughs> and then we had had a we had to walk back up the mountain. And I got footage of it, and we're dying. Like we couldn't breathe. And then they were talking about, oh yeah, there's a boat ramp on the other side. We just park and walk in. I was like, <laughs> right. That's exactly we're like, no, you guys gotta be kidding me. Go, but this is the most direct route to where the, the spot is for the fish. We're like, cause, cause you keep in mind, we're, we're coming from Iowa where they're mile high. So they're used to the air and then they take us up into the mountains. So it's like literally probably almost two miles higher. It's just, so we're me and Kit here. We're just like, just like huffing and puffing. We're like, man, this is just horrendous. Just to get, it get to get skunked. Oh my god, it was rough. That was rough. Yeah, the the lake trout is a monkey that's been on my back. I did end up catching like two little ones, yeah. but I, uh, you know, I want. I'm looking for one, like one of those on the wall there. Yeah, those are harder to catch, but a lot of times places we go, we get like the four to ten pounders, and you know, oh. you know, eight or nine pound lake, or you, you sit there. Usually, we're just digging like white tube digs mm-hmm. or something. Usually, digging the white tube digs seems to work better than anything. And you sit there and you dig and you dig and you dig and you, you know, pretty after forty five minutes, so you go, "Why am I doing this?" About that time, one of those donkeys hits you, and you mm-hmm. watch your line disappear, and you go, "Ah, oh, that's why I'm doing this. This is yeah. pretty cool," you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The ones that I caught were two pounds, if even that. And, and so. you know, the, the crazy thing was because, uh, you know, my brother-in-laws and their friends are just like, this is rare. This never happens. We never get skunked like this or it destroyed. We're like, yeah, right. They go, yeah. They go, it never struggles. It just, for some reason, they go, it must have been the bad juju you guys brought from Iowa, man. <laughs> That's what they were saying. So we're just like, hey, I was just trying to get Kit on, on, on a nice lake trail because, I thought it was easy too, because every time I went there, I, I was able to catch some, you know, and then all of a sudden, for some reason, that trip we just struggled. And hopefully, we hopefully this year we we can try and get them on a on a better lake trout adventure this year. Hopefully, we'll see. We'll see what COVID, how COVID yeah. goes first. Now, hopefully, a year from now, after everybody's been vaccinated and everything, it'll get almost back to what we. I don't know if you can say normal again, but what we hope to be able to do as far as our travel and that. So in, in our gathering. Yeah, that's, I mean, has that affected you at all in regards to that? Or, I mean, in regards to, you know, taking families out and stuff, you know, with COVID and everything, has that, how, how has that affected you now? Yeah, it, it has as far as, you know, some of the people just, you know, it's just not smart to do it. And then, like I said, too, like, I just had a group of three really nice young young boys. They're from Grimes, actually. Mm. Um, and they came up to the place in Minnesota last month. But, of course, they, I didn't have them stay with me. So then they, they, you know, their mom and them, they had to find another accommodation that because it just wouldn't have been safe, you know, mm-hmm. so. Yeah. Those those three boys, they, they have a YouTube channel, don't they? I, I think I know who they, they are. Do. Yeah. They uh, do it for, for waterfowl hunting. Um, trying to remember exactly the three Ds because it's Drake, yep. Drew, and 
and Dylan. So it's like 3D waterfowl or something. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, they, they, they were showing me pictures. They, they shoot better than I do. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm friends with their dad on Facebook. So, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll put all the information about that, about their YouTube and stuff on here. Do you know, do you know their dad very well? Yeah. Uh, just through Facebook, like they, uh, they kind of contact me, contacted me through YouTube and then, you know, we just, we just, uh, uh, interact through Facebook. So I yeah. haven't met them yet. I haven't met their dad because their mom brought them up there and that, um, but as I told her, so their ages were, if I get this right, like 14, 11 and nine or something, something right in that age, you could not have asked for more enthusiastic, appreciative, just the nicest young men to, to spend some time in the boat with. They were just wonderful to be around. It was really cool. I got more out of it than they did, maybe. I wanted to ask you, because I know uh, you've been through a lot of um, just adventures and everything and fishing and everything. Hey, I, I want to know what's the, if not the one, but maybe the top three craziest thing you've seen while you're throughout your whole fishing life like it could you name maybe i know it'd be hard to pinpoint one maybe two or three like craziest things like you know what nobody's ever gonna see this again but this is something that stuck with you okay two things these are the old you always hear fishing stories but there's a couple of these that i, I really normally don't tell people because they don't believe them so why would you tell them <laughs> All right. on lake of the woods we're out at garden reef about four years ago and this is an April trip then so it's really nice out but the ice of course is still so thick one of my brothers unfortunately he's passed away a couple years ago but he was fishing next to me and he's trying to jig up this walleye and he's using a little teardrop thing with a minnow head on it and all of a sudden he goes good I got one he says this is probably gonna be a good eater and he's starting to reel it up he goes oh son of a gun it got off and he brings up his teardrop that's still there and he's got hooked to his teardrop a brand new sonar red and white that hadn't been there before obviously was stuck in the mouth of either the wall or sauger he had on what? I, I, I tell you it's hard to tell people this and have them believe it but he didn't get the fish but brought up another lure <laughs> that's awesome man okay my next one's the next one's almost as crazy or crazier this is just two falls ago i've got a client with me on a lake up in minnesota we're throwing top waters big top waters the big it's called the Lucky 13. It's got the three treble hooks coming. It's old school thing, old school, big old floater. And he gets a nice bass on it. And as he hits it, he falls backwards in the boat, comes out of his dang seat, and he's laying in the bottom of the boat. And of course, I'm so concerned that he's hurt or something. I go, you okay? You're okay? And he goes, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I go, what are you sorry about? You okay? He said, I'm okay, but I'm so sorry. I still haven't figured out what I don't realize. I've been watching him fall in. He'd thrown the pole in. He doesn't have my <laughs> reel anymore. It's overboard. So I, I go, oh, God darn it. So I rig up a, put a red eye on, you know, and a couple other treble hooks. I'm, all I'm catching is weeds, you know, just fast. Because we're in a shallow bay, only like six feet of water, four feet of weeds. And all of a sudden you hear some splash and he goes, Hank, look over there. And here this bass has come up and he's trying to throw that lure. He's trying to spit the lure like he would. But of course he's got line connected to him going down to a pole that's in the weeds. So we start to get the trolling motor. I get over the closer, he disappears. Then he comes up over there. The third time he came up right next to the boat, we grabbed him, we got the fish, we got the lure, we got the pole. Wow. Because the fish brought it back to us. Man. And think about it, that's the only way he could have survived. He stays hooked on that, he's dead. Yeah. 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 But true story. That's amazing. <laughs> One time you uh, 
hooked your uh, allure in the back of your head in Costa Rica and the guide wouldn't didn't want to cut it out but you didn't want to stop fishing so yeah. you had him just cut the line and you kept on fishing that day with a yeah. allure stuck to the back of your head bleeding all over yeah but <laughs> oh, you forgot about that one <laughs> No, we were, we were down there on a tarpon trip, but one of the afternoons, the, the, the guy's name is Speedy, really nice guy with broken English. And he's taking us up river. Now we're fishing light tackle for all kinds of things. You know, we're catching stuff I've never seen before, except like in National Geographic. As you guys probably know, if you got a real light pole and a little heavier lure than you should, and you look, I'm going to make that cast way out there. What you don't know is a whip in that pole. And I stuck that lure, back right in the back of my head oh. and so now it's stuck in there but you know we're way up river we're having fun so he actually took i said speedy i said cut that out of my head he go oh no boss no 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 that's not not for me not for me and i said well well take your cutters and at least cut the hook off the lure but i said leave a chunk of that hook so that uh, somebody else can kind of get it out of there so yeah he cut the lure off and left a chunk in my head and then we we got back to the place and had a few rums and pineapple juice or whatever and, and let the guy cut the thing off the top of my head. Oh, boy, Hank. Holy cow, man. That is insane. You're, you're a true fisherman. <laughs> yeah. You guys stuck a lure in your head? Uh, I never have. Uh, I, I've done it twice. I was just wondering. Oh, boy. I, I Knock on wood, I have not... Um, I had my buddy, oh, because I I told Fishing Kit this before, but I had my buddy had a, a hook went right underneath his nail all the way up half, halfway through. Yeah, that that was that was about the most insane thing, and it was just me and him, and I had to be the one to pull it out. So it was, even oh. even he was in pain. I'm not gonna lie, I was in pain with him because I was like, he and he was like, dude, you gotta pull it. Out. I go, why me? <laughs> I'm just like at that moment, but we luckily. It was just one of those like, please don't pull out his nail. Don't please don't pull out his nail. And I yanked it, and luckily it came out clean. So it was. Uh... You guys know what they call the pop and pull method? Like you got a hook, uh, you know, it's the barbs down in there. So you take some real strong fishing line and you get that right along the skin, next to that barb. And while you're gonna pull it, the other guy or somebody else pops down on the pushes down on that hook. So if you push down hard at the same time you pull, it releases a barb and it pulls out. It actually works really good. I think there's probably, I don't know, there's YouTube videos because I don't know who's going to have yeah, no, Who's going to want to, hey, let me show you this pop and pull. The I bring that up is I'd seen, I'd read an article about how it works, but the first time I did it was on Kapaska. Oh. Jeff, and I, Jeff and I were floating down the Boone River and he stuck a rooster tail into his arm somehow. He had had plenty of general anesthesia so um, he was in pretty good shape as far as <laughs> I said, you pushed down and I pulled, the thing popped right back out. Worked great. Hopefully we don't have to uh, ever do that, Kit. <laughs> oh, man, it, I, I feel like it, it's, a, it's a matter of time, man. Like, I think I've been lucky so far, but it's, it's coming. I know it's coming. I, I'm not looking forward to it. Well, if you, if you would be up in the areas that we fish where you're releasing a lot of northern pike in a day, it's, it, it's inevitable. Because the way they flop around and stuff, it's just, you know, and you can't lip them, you know, you're staying away from the mouth, but you're trying to stay away from the hooks. I, whenever I get in an area that we actually start catching quite a few northerns, and we'll put the, the, the crankbaits and other stuff away and just use like spinnerbaits, 
because now you're only dealing with the one hook. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes it makes things a lot easier, better for you and the fish. Uh, do you got anything else for that, man? This is so I kind of want to keep it a little bit longer, but I don't want to keep them too late, kid. What you, what else do you got for uh, Andy and Hank, dude? <laughs> actually, I I kind of I was kind of curious about your uh, relationship with Jeff because he he was actually the one that reached out to me. He's like, hey, you got to get Hank on. You know, he's my best friend, legend of the north. Like he was just talking you up. I mean, you you're uh, he, obviously a good friend of his. Yeah, he we actually met years ago. We uh playing basketball on the back when I used to still play basketball, and of course he was much younger. He would set really good screens and hopefully I'd make the shot. But <laughs> I tell you what, he's big boy. But we had the same kind of passions for sports, basketball, and softball. But then we found out we both love to fish and we don't mind drinking a few beers and uh so he has spent, with his daughters, he has spent almost as much time at our cabin up in Minnesota as I get to in the summer. You know, he'll just go, because he's helped do some things up there for us, help fix it up. And he's kind of like uh, almost invested in it too. So yeah, we're, it's good to have uh, intelligent, um, smart, strong friends, you know. So, <laughs> some of the times the places we go, I couldn't get there if it wasn't for a big guy like him or Andy. So and and Jeff's brother Jim is one of my best friends, Jim Capacity. Yeah. And and I'm great friends with Jeff too. And always love to have a few beers and try to get some secrets out of him and you know poke him about the uh the survey, you know, the 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 netting and and other info on the, the websites that disappeared for the last couple of years i was giving them a hard time about that too. Did you, yeah, not, yeah yeah the, the, the survey data that we talked about yeah yeah i there was there you know a few years back i was just like you two i imagine but i was utilizing that too and you know you know picking out let's say five lakes that i hadn't fished before and then utilizing that info and, and saying well there's a good population of 12 to 14 inch crappies in this lake. Boom. Let's, let's go there. Let's try it. And, you know, a couple of years ago that, that helped me out in a couple instances, finding some lakes uh, that had never fished before and now, now love to. So but he said it's coming back, right, Kit? Uh, yeah. Yeah. He yeah. said it's coming back. Yeah. Well, he, he promised us. He, he said, yeah, it's coming back. Yeah. That's what he said. Yeah. Well, you guys know him now. You can just call him and ask him. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. I like that. I like that, Hank. That is true. He he is a good guy to know if you're a fisherman. That's for sure. Oh, it's true. I, I love that podcast that you guys did with him because I, I I was, you know, I I wanted to ask the same questions you were and and I appreciated the the info that he provided and stuff. And you're right, he's he's very, very smart and uh great understanding of the, you know, obviously the resources. We, we we talked to him we're like yeah we got to have you on more often because that's just like at least for for central iowans and even you know people from out of state because we have so many people that come from minnesota wisconsin illinois uh and just the, the amount of knowledge and the stuff that he he drops on us in regards to you know dnr and just information about fish and water it's just like i said man i was mind blown and just to have that if you're a true fisherman if you really want to you know take your game to the next level to have that information is priceless yeah and he knows a lot about craft beers too <laughs> yeah i can't i can't believe he drank a crowler uh 32 ounce beer of imperial stout like a 10 percent beer i was like man this guy's a beast <laughs> so so <laughs> my dad's got to tell you guys about 
their old school back in the day ice fishing and having a couple of beers the old bob yeah um that well, jeff capasco was a part of a lot of those this is before i was old enough to partake but well, i i owned a uh, Happy Joe's franchise in Ames, and so that um, that made it didn't make me a lot of money, but I'm I'm doing my own schedule. I'm the boss, you know, so I could schedule myself to have fun here and have fun there. And of course, I'd take noons off to go play basketball, run into Jeff there, and I had an old ice shack set up on Hickory Grove or Big Creek or whatever, and I'd say, hey, I got to work till like seven. Well, usually I'd cut that down about six fifteen. And I called Jeff and said, come pick me up because we'll fill up two bobs. Well, bobs were buckets of beer. And they were like <laughs> the three-gallon things that we got our cherry filling in, the topping that we put in our dessert pizzas. So while I'm tidying up and doing some book work, we just put that bucket underneath the spigot uh, there at the tap at the, at the restaurant. And the help knew to watch it once it got about this far to the top, put a lid on it, put the other one under there. So... <laughs> Jeff would show up. We'd have lids on these bobs and just set them back of the pickup. You know, it's cold out, and we'd drive over to Hickory Grove, and the the shack would be heated. We left a lantern on there, hooked to a twenty pounder. So we'd all we'd have to do the holes would be open, the shack would be heated. We just take our bobs in there and sit down and start catching crappies, and and you just dip. We had mugs hanging on the wall, so you just dip out of there and you know drinking half beer <laughs> like that. You just gotta remember. When you catch a fish or something in that old shack, don't set the mug on the floor. Hang it back on the hook because you don't want to pick that up and then dip it again. <laughs> the stuff that's on the bottom of the mug now. Pictures of Jeff back in the day with the, with the bobs. Ingenious idea, man. <laughs> I love it. I got to tell you something real quick about that because I don't even know if Andy knows this, but that ice shack in 1985, I made it out of chunks of plywood that I found in our basement and then I put a great big tarp over it. So it's had three sides and then the top and the one side was just the tarp and you'd go in and out by lifting the tarp you'd sit down in these little chairs it was only this high so you couldn't stand in it but once you're sitting in a chair it was perfect and since it was low then it didn't take much to heat it and it was just a tradition to be on the lakes around here hickory grove big creek don winds whatever for for literally decades well i wrote a story about that a lot of it there's pictures of jeff in there and stuff like that well the next march's issue of uh, iowa outdoors is going to have that story in there and so if they put the right pictures in there, you're going to get to see that old ice shack and your buddy Jeff sitting in there. I took the bobs out of the pictures for that. <laughs> but you can, you can imagine there's one on the floor behind him. Nice. So for next, next uh, is that next month's issue of that? Next March. Next March? Have, I think three or four issues coming yeah, out. That's what, okay. We'll have to grab that. <laughs> I want to take a look at that. That'll be awesome, man. That's so cool. To, all right, Kate, we got to do a, we got to do that. That's a, a bucket of beer. I love that. And then just, oh, well, it might be bad for us because you know, we're not six foot seven, 300 yes. pounds like Jeff. <laughs> that, that, that helps. <laughs> that helps a little bit, right? That's why you can drive home. Right. You probably just hold that bucket in his hands. <laughs> oh boy, it's so funny. Um, but uh oh yeah, this is uh been awesome, man. Anything else, Kit? You, that was a that's a great question. Okay. Uh before we wrap things up uh today, uh Andy and Hank, if people want to get a hold of you, yeah, you just want to throw out your social media out there, Facebook, and if they wanna utilize your services. You can throw out your information for that. And uh, what 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 does Hank's, Hank's Learn to Fish have in store in the future? Uh, well, in the future, 
I won't be around next summer. I'm going oh, yeah. <laughs> to be trying to raise money for the youth education programs up at the National Mississippi River Museum. So I, I actually already have some uh, some bookings uh, of some friends and some people I don't know for ice fishing this winter up in Minnesota. But uh, once it comes uh, spring, instead of booking some of those other trips, I, I'll be gone. But I, I will be enlisting people to help me paddle. So <laughs> keep keeping that in mind. <laughs> I don't have a business, but I really love to fish. So um, anybody can get a hold of me and I, I'll, I'll try to get out and uh, go fishing and you know share some secrets and try to steal some of yours. That's always fun. So I want to thank you guys for having us. I, yeah, thank you. Very anytime much. I can sit around and tell some of those stories, I just, it's kind of like you relive them as you tell them. No, it just I, makes no, you feel I, good inside. It's really cool. Definitely love it. I mean, uh, thank you guys for actually being a part of this and just, you know, sharing your knowledge, sharing your stories. Because um, to me, and I, I think to to anybody who listens to this and watches this, it's just, it's just something in their, you know, it, it's like reading a book, you know? Um, when you when you tell your stories or when anybody else we have on our podcast, they tell their stories. I think when people are listening on the other end, it's like they're reading a book and just, you know, imagining what you went through on your journey and all that stuff. So I, I think um, we I appreciate that. So, you know what you do, because I'm excited just just to hear what you went through. I'm going to go definitely read that book and just kind of learn a little bit more. Um, That's good. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it's it's going to be awesome. I think I think getting kids into fishing and I think what you're doing, uh, it, your vision and everything of, of teaching the new generation to to appreciate everything is, is is amazing to have somebody like that in the world i it's a it's a good feeling so just just uh andy you got a great man there brother i'm, I'm gonna let you know that, yeah, know that right now. yeah i definitely appreciate it and we'll definitely have you guys on again i mean when you guys get a chance because I, I definitely want to get you on before um maybe before you go on your trip if you can hang if you have some time if not no big deal but we're definitely gonna keep track of you on that uh, um, fishing kit will definitely put in uh, all your guys links that you know the follow up on you and on Facebook and everything. Uh, I don't know if you have any spare time this winter. I mean, hopefully we, we get some spare time kit. Maybe we can hit you guys up. Uh, we'll, we'll see if we can get up a little bit north there and try 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 new bodies of water. So we've never really been past Clear Lake. So um, it, should, it wouldn't be a bad idea to try it maybe once this or twice this year. Uh, we definitely would would like some expertise to show us around, right? Yeah, uh, I think some of those lakes, we get rid of this COVID thing. Yeah. yeah, I got I got a couple places to share too. So we could we could we could trade we could trade some secret spots. Yeah, we uh, definitely do. I, I know. <laughs> All right. So other than that, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and then you know, like I said, till next time. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate really it. appreciate it, guys. Thank no, you. Thank you.